Uh, welcome to Emgo Podcast 14.6. We just want to start this one off by saying that we hope Mike Hart is fine and recovers and is able to get back on the sideline as soon as possible. All right, say what you will about Michigan football, but when they have a stupid game these days, it's just a stupid half, if that makes any sense. I'm a little lost. So they had a stupid game. They had a stupid half. Yeah, but when they have a stupid game, it's a stupid half. Ah, instead of it being a a full game, game, it's now just been condensed to 30 minutes. And it's really been condensed to, what, two drives? No. No, it was a bunch of drives. Was... It continued into the first drive of Indiana's. Yeah, there was, some, there was even some half. stupid stuff in the second half. But overall, you could not call that a stupid half. I mean, the third, yes. quarter, the third quarter opens up with an a offsides call that turns a touchback into a punt down at the one. So it was not oh, yeah. solely confined <laughs> Forgotten about that one. to yes. the first half. That's, but, okay, but in, spiritually, as you like yeah, to overall, say. Overall, yes. It That's was, fair. It was a stupid half yeah. against a team that is stupidly frustrating to play against, and then they won 31-10, basically meeting everybody's expectations. And if you look at the total yardage in this game, it's a total blowout. So even though at halftime everybody was like, oh, God, Rutgers last year, it was like, no, great playing, reasonable expectations. Yay. Go. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not a lot – I, uh, I, you go to Indiana, things are going to get nuts, right? Well, especially we, we've experienced that. Yeah. Now they're back on this like chaos team tempo, and I'm just right. like, and so do, is that is that a, is that a, is that just something that works for them? We're glad they do because it gives them an identity and it makes them interesting, sort of like the triple option is was for some teams. Or is that like a gimmick that you're like, okay, haha, now in a couple of drives we're going to have you? Because more or less, that's what Michigan did. Yeah, I mean, so. DJ Matthews is out for them. They're starting tight ends out. Right. Their offensive line is terrible. Right. Their best linebackers out too. Well, I'm just talking about their offense, right? Yeah. Now. yeah. So I feel like there's a version of Indiana that actually has some talented players and a better offensive line that could really stress you. Mm-hmm. This was not that version of Indiana. And they're just trying to be who they are without their best pieces. Speaking of trying to be who they are without their best pieces, we'd like to thank our sponsors. <laughs> Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Home Sure Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M, where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers' new show on UFC Fight Pass, and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. All right, so offensively, a tale of two phases. The first phase being let's just run into boxes for oh, no reason. Like, so... I'm going to – thanks to Joel Klatt for putting more on my plate this week. Because <laughs> halfway through this game, he's like, you know, when Michigan motions, they're almost always running the ball. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, crap. Now i got to see if that's true. <laughs> but one thing that is 100% true is that if they're in pistol, it's a run. Yeah, and, and, and that was bad. 
pretty quick. Yeah, the very first time Michigan lines up in pistol, you get both cornerbacks blitzing. Yeah. And this, to me, is one of Tom Allen's hallmarks, is that if you have a tendency, he is going to make his defense downright irresponsible until you break that tendency. That was one of the most irresponsible responses I've ever seen. Like, you can't even make the video game respond that way because they're going to be like, no, somebody needs to get on that receiver. They just they, – those corners are coming in the second that they're yeah. – way before even the running back is, like, close like to touching the At the, the mesh ball. point, both of those guys are committed to the line of scrimmage. Yes. But you said they threw out of it once, maybe? Pistol? Yeah. I mean, they threw out of it, like, in the warm-up portion of the schedule, but – in right, the Big Ten. But, but like, no, no, no. But but this year this they've year. thrown out of it like once, probably. I, so I, that I, is an irrational response. If you're going to run fifty plays or whatever it is out of pistol, I'm making up a number, sure. and they throw out of it once. I think that I mean I would want the team that I'm cheering for to take that chance. I mean, at some point they're going to pull it and blah 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 blah. Yeah, but, I mean, but I mean, I'm not saying that this is a bad idea for Tom Allen, especially when you're in Indiana. Yeah, because. If you have a tendency, you're probably not going to go out of your way to break it against Indiana. Probably not. So, but to me, a large portion of the frustrations were the run game, were just Michigan tipping what they were doing with their formation and possibly with their motion. Mm-hmm. So you get this this period in the second, or the third quarter, where Michigan's driving and they're doing real well, and then they just get in the pistol and they get crushed on consecutive runs or that uh, Edwards run. Mm-hmm. Where you, yeah, where the you're just dead just, off the bat, off the yeah, bat, yeah, because yeah. the corner is just like, okay, this is a pistol, I'm coming down, yeah, and that puts Michigan in second and eleven or something, or it was like second and fourteen because he got stopped way in the back. No, it was, it was like, oh, JJ had a pull read or keep read for like five, five or six yards yeah. that so, he slid, so it was because like, somebody in the room said, had he dove. <laughs> it would have been a first down on the third down play. Right. Mm-hmm. That was me. Uh, so, J.J. had the baseball slide, but we'll talk about that Yes, as soon as we're done with the uh, conversation about Michigan tipping its plays. And so, I can't really get on the offensive line or anything for struggles in the in the ground game. Even the, the Blake Corum Houdini run. Yeah. Same thing. It was a Houdini yeah. run. Yeah, like the corner is just like... I'm coming. And that was that was from under center, which is another big run tip for Michigan. I think they're more 85% instead of 100%. But they do at least run bootlegs and stuff from under center. Right. There, they, there is some play action. Just not enough. Yeah. And, you know, they ran play action just three times in this game, not counting, like, you know, when you just, like, show the ball to the running back, but everyone's pass blocking. When they actually had a run block look and then ran play action, all three of them were, th- were first downs. They were all, like, three? good plays. Three. Wow. Yeah. How, do you know? Did you chart how many times that they ran sort of fake play action too? Like, well, 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 I mean, because you fake said play action is you, just running you into, said, the, into the box. <laughs> okay, but you mean mesh kind of stuff? No, no, no. I I meant like because you said that only three times when they actually had. Well, because like, because the, the defense is going to be keying the offensive line. Like, are you pulling a guard? Right. They're not going to be keying where the running back goes because that running back is going to do that every single play. And right. if you just show the ball to them, that's not going to create any play action response. The linebackers are going to come down, and the cornerbacks are going to come down when they see the, that Michigan's either going into their stretch. And stretch is great. You saw this again, Iowa. Uh-huh. This is what their entire offense is. You run stretch because those offensive linemen are not stepping down over the line of scrimmage, right? Defensive linemen. No, the, the, the offensive line is not going to mess up your play action. Oh, oh, right, yeah. On stretch because they're going sideways, not I'm downfield. Sorry. I mis- had a misconception about what you were. Yeah, thinking. so so 
And these are stretch plays. So Michigan's stretch game was what I, Indiana was absolutely selling out against. Yeah. And all you have to do is run a bootleg against that, yeah. like Iowa does. Yeah. I mean, and there was and it was it yeah. was it was wide open every time, and you're just yeah. like, you gotta balance that out a little bit more. I mean, obviously, don't you win this game by three touchdowns? But in terms of just like what makes me feel a little not great about playing Penn State next week, it's like I don't I don't know if they're gonna do it against Penn State. So do you think that? This is just partly Michigan keeping the car in the garage because under Harbaugh, at times, they have been vanilla on offense against teams that they think that they can beat being vanilla and therefore not breaking things out against opponents like that. I mean, that's the only possible explanation. The flip side of that is if I'm Penn State, I know for a fact that Michigan is going to play action off pistol. Yeah. Like, it is too obvious. So, like, I think they're going to run play action off pistol against Pesce. It's not going to work. That, that's the thing. And, that I mean, what we're talking about is loading up. And this is the thing that annoyed us about Lloyd Carr all the time. And then it's something that Michigan under Harbaugh has done a bunch. They didn't do it as much under Gaddis. But if you remember 2018, that big, long um, run against Wisconsin, like, that was the first time they brought out the, the arc. The Shea Patterson. The Shea Patterson yeah. run. That was the first time they brought out arc. The arc read. The arc yeah. read. And before the arc read, they had been just burning downs with split zone. Yeah. And, th- and then they run it one time, and it's like, yay, we get, you know, an 80-yard play out of this, <laughs> which is, like, the best possible scenario you can get. It was, like, an 80-yard play out against Wisconsin. But – like you said, Penn State, if you're loading up and loading up and loading up, the teams that you're going to play in the future, especially Penn State, who knows that Michigan's going to bring it, they are, they okay, they know they're gonna, we're going to have it. They're practicing everything that Michigan's going to run, play action off of it. You don't need to see what Michigan's growing off of it in order to, like, practice it. I just want opposing defenses to look like they don't know what's coming. And for large portions of this game, Indiana looked like they knew what was coming. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. On to happier things. They put a lot more on J.J. McCarthy's plate, and aside from a couple hiccups here and there, he really delivered. Like, 300-yard game, his first uh, probably eight to nine yards in attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, pulled it in the run game uh, uh, with good success. Didn't immediately get out of bounds. Got whacked one time, and I was like, oh, God, if he has a concussion, Michigan Twitter is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> on the one after, like, he had – not kept on a couple, like, blatantly obvious reads, and then he keeps on that one. Yeah, I mean, he got the first down, and, like, it's just the guy from behind kind of lit him up. So, mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, can you put stuff on his plate after the aforementioned penalty that gets him down to the two, you know, Blake Corum has a false start. They're down at the one. They run for three yards, second and eight at the three, the four. And Michigan goes back-to-back passes. And one gets dropped, and the second one converts, and then Michigan goes on a touchdown drive. And that's really the turning point in that game. And there's quarterbacks out there, there's coaches out there who's not going to put that on J.J. McCarthy inside your own red zone. Like Kirk Ferentz mm-hmm. well, isn't throwing <laughs> that's, there. Maybe that's not the best example. That's probably not the best example. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was not the best example. Brett Bielema, I mean, but like, yeah, he, he wouldn't trust his quarterback to do that. And when – and when they asked him, he put it on two guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that drop from Cornelius Johnson was a chunk play and maybe a touchdown if he's got the angle on the safety. Yeah. It, 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 it was close. Be, it, yeah. yeah. He's probably out of bounds after about 30, 40 yards. But think of what Harbaugh said after the Iowa game where they were interviewing him, and he was like, he reminds me of a young Jimmy Harbaugh, except he's better. <laughs> and so, <laughs> that, is, that was my recruiting uh, 
comp. That's pretty good. The, the you might remember me from such yeah. players as was Jim Harbaugh. That, that's him. that's pretty good. But think, put yourself in Jim Harbaugh's shoes. Then, if you think that this guy reminds you of you, but you think that he might be a little bit better, and you're in that situation, would you put those situations on yourself? And if the answer to that question is yes, and from my watching and knowing of Harbaugh, it seems like he would want the responsibility on himself. Then if he really believes that McCarthy is a younger version of himself, he's going to do that too. It's possible because Harbaugh actually, part of his story is that he took a long time to develop. He was not really great. Well, he got injured his redshirt sophomore year. And yeah. He started to look at, he looked good at the beginning of the redshirt sophomore year and then he got hurt. And then he comes back in junior and senior year is when he's like Heisman caliber quarterback. Well, and I mean, we still got to see JJ prove it against good teams, but really, he's he's like he's obviously a pro, right? Like, what's his completion rate? It's like almost eighty yeah. percent. And aside from uh, the Hawaii game or whichever game they ran a bunch of screens in, like they're not babying this guy. Like they're asking him to read zones, or asking him to go downfield, or asking him to run RPOs. Like he's got the full. Monty they weren't asking him to read it. They wish they'd done some RPOs in this well, game. Well, yeah, <laughs> or or throw or take shots downfield. But like Iowa didn't really give that to him. And I mean, I don't know that Indiana gave that to him a lot either. I thought that he did a good job taking what the defense gave him and making those throws. I mean, I I tried to make a note for every play that he did, whether it was running or throwing or reading or whatever. And I had him at about fourteen good like things that made me impressed when I watched the play. Fourteen where. He did what he was supposed to do, like a quick, easy throw or something like that. And then 11 negative ones and nine of those were throws. I don't really have a metric for what's good and what's bad. But to me, it seemed like the majority (laughs) of the plays that he was involved in were either, you know, like you're not going to give a DO to a screen pass or something. Right. Like, but it still can be the right throw and it can still be a good play. And so, you know, 28 of the whatever, 39 things I charted were. Yeah. And then some of the fine negative Good. ones we finally got some opportunities for the wide receivers to to bail out right jay mccarthy mm-hmm. yeah because it because just because it's a bad play quote unquote doesn't mean the ball wasn't caught right. like bell made one really good catch and schoonmaker made one schoonmaker made another and then one cornelius johnson had uh so there were three circus catches in this game. And one of the kind of themes from my UFR is that I have nothing to say about the wide receivers every week. Yeah. Because it's like every almost every ball is routine. Mm-hmm. And so this was a little bit of a deviation from that. And you got to see that, yeah, if necessary, these guys can help you out. Yeah. Um, but just in terms of, like, what McCarthy is able to do, like, they're having him throw across the middle against zones, right? Those Andrew Anthony shots mm-hmm. where – He's been thrown to Schoonmaker, he's been thrown to Schoonmaker, he's been thrown to Schoonmaker, and then twice they put him on that little pivot route and a linebacker sucks up and J.J. reads that and hits Andrew Anthony. And not a lot of young quarterbacks get to do that. I mean, maybe it's changing a little bit these days because these guys are getting coached so much in in high school and they have their own private quarterback coaches. But just in terms of, like, how he feels, he does not feel like a second-year player. He feels like he's been here for five years. Well, and Seth and I were even debating the interception that he threw. And, I mean, I didn't see Bell being open, and maybe he wasn't, but Seth was talking to me earlier about, like, look, he made the right decision because you think Bell's going to beat the guy, and he put there, it in the right spot. The I mean, DB just made a great play. So there were, he could That's have That's a sat- linebacker. Yeah. That was a great play. Like, <laughs> the, the read that you have pre-snap is like, okay, I've got this because – it's a linebacker against Ronnie Bell, and sure. the linebacker carries him all the way, and he is not open. Um, 
He's but not. The, but the throw is where it needs. But to what be. I, yeah, what I well, was saying is you have if leverage. If he's open, the throw is where it, he needs. Yeah. To be, yeah. So you have leverage, and, the, and the, court, the receiver's job is to get open from that guy because the safety was not able to get open. So anything over. inside, or the safety was not able to get over. So right. anything inside belongs to the receiver, and the receiver's job after the ball is in the air is to get that last bit of separation and bring the ball in. That guy, I mean, he might have gotten away with a little, little hole. There was a little grab on his shoulder, but like it's not, it's not the kind of thing where you freak out if they don't call it. But it was just a great play by that defender because he, you know, he, he gets across and he breaks it up. And you're not expecting a PBU to get tipped into an interception. Like, that's just another – so, Just random, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can say that – he shouldn't have thrown that ball because the guy is covered. You can say that if he is going to throw that ball, he needs to put it up because that mm. linebacker is not facing right. Ronnie Bell. And so if Ronnie Bell is, is leaping up like we know he can leap, I don't think he's got to play on that ball. So to me, that's a reasonable pre-snap assumption right? that you didn't get off when it became unreasonable and then you didn't rescue it by trying to adjust your throw. So, yeah, that's negative. But in terms of interceptions you can throw – that's a pretty good one, yeah. right? <laughs> you're not you're not nailing a guy in the chest, and we've right. seen plenty of Michigan quarterbacks just drill guys between like, the numbers. What's happening is you're trying to fit it in, and it's not there, and the guy isn't looking at the ball and get a bad bounce. Mm-hmm. It happens. So yeah, it's it's a negative, but it's not like a minus three or anything. So yeah, I mean, he he missed. I thought he missed Henning in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. That was so. I, I couldn't tell whether that was on him or it was on Henning because it kind of feels like Henning falls down for no reason. That's kind of what I thought. Maybe. I thought, I thought another rec- – I, I kind of put it on Henning. I was just – I was doing what you do, like, you know, like zaprudering it with, uh, yeah, like, I, one frame at a time. I did it too, and I was like, <laughs> I can't figure out what happened here. Yeah, but it does look like Henning – I mean, Henning comes back to the ball. Like, they, he does the right thing because it's a three-man rush. Yeah, three-man rush. He gets open, finds the right guy, and right. it just doesn't – connect yeah i think i mean jj flung it it was a you know he was throwing it hard but that's what you have to do to to hit that and it just aj henning does not have the he's got other skills but like the big target thing is not he's not the ideal person to be throwing it to in that situation right Right. maybe we're jumping ahead of ourselves here or i am but i found it interesting that henning played earlier and from what i could tell a little more often than andrew anthony yeah well he's replacing roman wilson so he's more of a like for like for Wilson, but he wasn't well, really. Would, gonna... Wouldn't you rather have three maybe better overall receivers? And Hen- Henning seems more of a. I mean, gadget. Henning, I mean, I don't, I don't. I wouldn't put him quite in the gadget only bucket. Like he okay. had a couple catches in this game. Yeah, his catching radius isn't huge, but okay. But the number one thing that Roman Wilson brings you is stretches the field because of his speed. Right. All right, Andre Anthony. Even if he's not as fast, he's still. A fast and I mean, B. If he's not, you know, if the cornerback has, you know, two more steps instead of like instead of four yards behind him, he's still Andre Anthony down there. Like that yeah. guy can make some Braylon esque catches. It's still I the mean, same I, level of threat as far from a you know defensive perspective. So they've been using Wilson in the slot, and I bet Andre Anthony is not repping in the slot at all. So if you I want see. to put Bell on the outside, which you do for part of the game, mm-hmm. then you're I going to bring in Henning. Yeah, I, so I mean, Ronnie Bell is so good from the slot. You, I, <laughs> well, but you don't always want to have him in the slot, right? Right. You have other stuff that he, you you want to run with him. Yeah. So yeah, I and Ronnie Bell. This is a great game for him. I thought, like, yeah, not just the 
catching. And he did have one time where I was like, you know, he, it was a standard Ronnie Bell. You got the edge, and all of a sudden he stopped and tried to go inside the guy, and maybe didn't get the first. Maybe could have gotten a first down if he kept on going to the edge. Well, but he did like he got the first down on that third and eleven. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, he's okay. he's reaching the ball out, and then he steps out of bounds, and the ball is like over the white. Yeah. I was going to save yellow. this for the third section because it's like a when do you use your. Yeah, also it's a refereeing complaints, of which there will be several. <laughs> also in the third segment. Uh, one thing about the offensive line is I do think they got the line of scrimmage reset on them more than I've seen. Mm-hmm. So guys get oh, pushed into the back from by the defensive line. And a part of that is Indiana selling out, right? Like yeah. they, they are not playing both run and pass at the same time, which is why those play yeah. actions are just achingly wide open. So... It is a little bit of a concern, although their run defense was really good against Cincinnati. Their run defense was really good against Nebraska. So I think that it's a completely opposite approach from Iowa. Yeah. Um, well, and completely opposite types of tackles. They have 300 pound, 320 yeah. pound dudes in there. So that's how they play. But they didn't get very much pass rush. So that's they, that was their trade off. No, and that was they didn't get anywhere near McCarthy except on, like, a couple blitzes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we kind of knew this going in, but Trent A. Jones goes out yeah, and Carson Barnhart comes in, and you're like, all right, well, let's see if he can hold up. He did. Not I against... didn't see him he was, at all. He was not good. You're going to have some complaints in the run, because I think twice he uh, violated never turn around. <laughs> well, he got dusted on, on one, uh, like, quorum run, mm-hmm. where quorum just makes the guy miss in the hole and then goes and gets 18 yards. So... <laughs> Yeah, he's he's because of Blake Corum. Is that our segue into Blake Corum time? Oh, I, I mean, honestly, at this point, it's like, are we are we moving on from uh, Mike Hart, but fast to Barry Sanders? Yes, well, multiple people said Barry Sanders (laughs) after this game, and like, uh, I mean, you, I don't think we're there yet because what Barry Sanders did at Oklahoma State, yeah, what Barry Sanders did was made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean. That's. I mean, no, there's not Barry another Sanders, level. Now, now you're like, oh, is he the greatest running back of all time? <laughs> yeah, level? Like, but, let's, we can don't have to go to that, right? By, Barry, but we can Barry say Sanders Barry was season at Oklahoma State was like 250 yards, 230 yards, uh-huh. 260 yards. Like yeah. he it was, it was absolutely absurd. And this so, was before Oklahoma State was like, yeah, a decent program. Right. So it, it prepared him well for the Lions' offensive line. Let's I'm say still, that. I'm still on my car, but fast. But uh, yeah, the the 50 yard run was. Magic, and then the 18-yard. I mean, he he made most of his yards himself in this game. And my run, my notes are like powerful run. Oh, another long run. Wow, that was amazing. I mean, like whoop. Like this is just sort of like what he is now. I don't know what to really say other than I'm really glad we get to watch this guy. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is like it took him a lot of effort to get his yards in this game because of. Uh, the sellout against yeah well he did miss a couple cuts um I think there I think we're a two if you're looking for we might have like not, minus two yeah. plus twenty five minus two it might be one of those games for Corm I don't know actually there weren't enough opportunities for him to plus he got well twenty seven like, carries something like that he, he by the end of the game he he'd gotten up there yeah and and in the in the third quarter when Michigan was moving the ball a lot of that was just Corm kind of you know. Dodging, weaving through his guys, and man, what he did to that safety was so cool. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I mean, they're coming down, they bring a safety down, it gets to Corm at two yards. That's supposed to be dead, because like. And you, Gus Johnson invokes Bill Raftery in a very <laughs> appropriate fashion. <laughs> 
I mean, look what he did to Jack Campbell last week. This is just sort of yeah. That's... This is just what Blake Corum is going to do. I mean, that we talk about him being small, but that's part of the main benefits of it is your center of gravity. His legs are massive, so you can do that. Yeah, his change of direction is absurd. Uh, do we have anything we haven't gotten to yet? So Edwards had some plays. I thought he had a nice catch out of the backfield. They didn't use him probably as much. I don't know. Is this still a little bit of injury relation? I mean, because I remember that they they used to use him catching the ball out of the backfield a lot more or lining him up. They lined him up, I think, as wide receiver once, and he had a nice maybe it was a third down catch yeah, he, for he first down. Yeah, he third down. Yeah, they just lined him up wide. He just seems like, you know, maybe there's only, the ball can only go. I to, mean, I'm trying to keep expectations for Edwards in the realm of the, the – sane because you get quorum out there and quorum's doing quorum things and then edwards gets the ball and you're like oh i don't like this guy but it's not fair (laughs) he he did some cool things they're different they're different players and you got to see what i remember you got to see some of that west bloomfield you know dog where he just like runs into a safety and keeps going over the guy but my expectations are now (laughs) broken right so this is not a knock on donovan or it's a knock on my brain which is no longer functioning well when it comes to adequately evaluating whether running backs are good. Uh, well, I, I did have a couple more things. Right. Uh, one, Schoonmaker's Schoon catching. Maker. Like, like the, the one where they thought where the, the referee where they originally thinks. It. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, that referee is like, no, 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 that hit the ground. And everyone thought it did because the, the ball's thrown short. He's got to come way back to it. There's no expectation that someone is be able to bring that in. And then they go to replay and like, that's awesome. So... I actually thought that did hit the ground. No. It, I thought it, it hit no, his, his, his pinkies underneath I it. I thought his, it hit his hands. The ball is on end and not laying flat. Yeah. So when it comes on end, it comes up and the point hits his chest. And then the second, the bottom point comes down and hits behind his hand. And that's when he it closes wasn't. it. Go I look mean, at it again. His pinkies underneath it. His pinkies it. on the under, second time? The second time. The right. pinkies okay. underneath it. That's fair. That's so, fair. Yeah. I'm the I did not see that. Who's the zealot about that's not a catch, right? If yes. it touches an even... To me, I was like, that's a catch. Like Alex yeah. was very excited in the room when that was a catch. He might have even done a little dance. Because <laughs> he predicted, nope, football, this is what football needs to be. It needs to be a game where you see things like this. I want more <laughs> things like this counting in the game of football. Okay, but and he, we were like, okay, but, but that's not the rule. He also wants Michigan's non-conference schedule to be three Hawaii's every we year. We don't have to talk can about... You, can you just videotape him next time he dances, please? I, <laughs> I mean, think we, that would be an invasion of his privacy. Why? Well, no, Everyone has cell phones, We Brian. don't want to show it to everybody. I just want to see it in here. We can just talk about it on the podcast. I don't want surveillance capitalism moment. to befall Alex. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, continue. I, we got a little distracted. Well, uh, number one, really cool play. Second play, he made he, uh, when he laid out to get the touchdown. Like that mm-hmm. was like he broke a tackle to get get a first down when like you know he probably could have been down yeah. three yards short of it or whatever. Like, I mean, I put a star on him last week, and no one was like, "Yay, Schoonmaker!" It was just like you know it took took long enough. <laughs> so, so you're the Eric All aficionado, Stan. Stan. Oh, is that what the word? Is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is an M&M song. What, what, I would, I would agree to that. I would wear what, the Eric All what Stan is, shirt. What is the drop-off between All and Schoonmaker so far? None. Yeah, I would say none. So it's, they're they're good at different things. All has all break better breakaway. All is but a from bit more a, of a like a threat in the receiver. In the receiver but from game, an but overall production standpoint, overall production, Schoonmaker doesn't move guys as much. There are plays that sometimes I'm no, like All would make, but False. All. 
but you're relying on last year's grading. But Schoonmaker gets to guys and sees things better than All does. So like, like the, the total so even out. In theory, if All doesn't come back this year, then this is a good year to have Schoonmaker. Uh huh. Okay. I <laughs> well, but I mean, okay, but oh, but my point is, is that if you lose a potential All American tight end, that's never good, except. Maybe this year I mean, it, it might be, be okay. It would be nice to have both of them out there, well, but I mean, you have Max Bredesen playing pretty well. He, I don't think he could have done anything more on the lead stretches unless he wants to pick a lane to go through. But, I mean, Max Bredesen, they scored a fullback touchdown. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Short yardage. They're still oh God. Yeah. lining up that wing, and this time it was Ronnie Bell. And like it was, Ro- it was Ronnie Bell, and he's not even next to the tight end. No, right, he, there's a gap between like he him is, and he's trying to make up like a yard and a half laterally. Yeah. So is that just on Bell in the wrong spot? No, it's on whoever called that stupid block. <laughs> All you have to do is put the receiver. That's a out. wide receiver. I, I making, understand making a yeah. block that I have charted Michigan for years, and that block is tough. That yeah. block is tough. It looks tough when you just w- look when you get the behind the uh, behind angle and you can see wherever it is. I'm just and sitting I there. I don't care that Ronnie Bell is a great blocking wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. He's not lined up in a spot where that block is going to be productive, and it's a wing tight end block on short yardage. Quit doing it. Uh, so I'm, I'm watching this game with my offensive line brother, who's like. He's the one who's always like, no, no, offensive lineman has to make that block. He drives me nuts because like it, it's like some stupid thing. I'm like, dude, they slanted across him. It's yeah. not supposed. No, no, no. Offensive lineman's got to. You can't let a guy cross your face. Blah blah blah. That one, he starts saying that, and they show the replay. And he's like, no, no, no. That's kind of stupid. You should be asking a receiver to make that one. So, if if Ben's on board, that's a bad block to ask a guy to make. I just, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, and then you're not, you're not getting argument from me. And then down at the goal line, they just. They run I form with a fullback lead, and then and they run Dow G, and it's like an t- easy touchdown. Easy touchdown, and and then they put Orgy out there, and even though the guy makes yeah. a great play to stop him, it still gets three yards and would have been a touchdown if like the guy that Edwards is blocking doesn't like reach out his hand while falling down and grab his jersey and just hang on for dear life. So, so we're not redshirting him, I guess. I don't know if he's that was only his third game. Yeah, I think was it only his third game? I mean, the guy we're not redshirting is Colson Loveland. Mm-hmm. Which to, he, to your chagrin, he moved up a spot. In this I game. mean, like you got three guys in front of him, and then you got Hibner. Like I kind of feel like whatever you're getting out of Colston Loveland is not going to be that much better than Hibner this year. So I'd rather preserve the shirt. I mean, these days, you know, is if he's good enough, is he going to be here for five years? Probably not. So it's kind of a, a minor complaint, but it is a minor complaint. I do think that the pass mm-hmm. that was to both of both Colston Loveland and Ronnie Bell. Oh, yeah. Was accurate if it was to Loveland, and then Ronnie Bell broke it up. Uh, it kind of looks uh, like that, but if you look at the route combination, Loveland is the one who kind of breaks off his route and well, leaves where he's supposed I'm just, to go. I'm more absolving J.J. for the incompletion there because okay. I think he's going yeah. for Loveland, and then Bell knocks it out. E- either one of them can go into that zone from his route, but that's Loveland is supposed to go deep on that route. Just, I mean, the route combination where it's just, oh. you know, there's a post and then there's a, a dig underneath it. And so is Hibner making that mistake? Maybe, maybe not. I yeah. don't know. I, that's just the one thing. That they just me. love Loveland, right? Yes, like, they do. And yeah. so that's a really good sign for what he's going to be down the road. I just wish. He... Was it down the road and not in the present? Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back, talk about the defense. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. And now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley. Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call a criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com.
All right. Has the immolation of the Michigan State Spartans season depressed ticket prices on Ticket IQ? It's 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 almost there. It's okay. almost there. Okay. So um, right now there are the 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 one seats are the only thing available for it. One person seats are getting really cheap all of a sudden, which I think are like Michigan State brother doesn't want to come all of a sudden. But the two seats together, which is kind of like the bigger, the more important market. Yeah. There's a lot of them that have opened up in the lower corners. I always tell people stay away from the lower corners. It's not a good view. You can't see much of the the, the game from there. Yeah. So. I would still wait because what happens is people just see those prices and they put theirs on. So keep checking if you're going to that game, but it's getting down to like the $300 price range, 290 280 and you might want to jump on one of those if it's a nice seat. All right, and at Ticket IQ, the price you see is the price you pay. That's right. So if it says 280 290 on there, you're paying 280 not like, hey, we're going to hit you up with another a convenience uh, fee. Convenience fee and a, a helper's fee and an online fee. Uh, and a, Yeah. All right, hit up Ticket IQ for your ticket needs. All right, defensively, God, I hate Walt Bell. I mean, he doesn't get points against Michigan, but the way he doesn't get points is so annoying. 90 freaking plays. 90 plays. And I'm gonna, well, there's, I don't have to do punts and stuff like that, so it's yeah. down to like 86 or something. But for a game where you know Michigan was trying to salt it away and you're like, Still going to make me chart 90 plays. And they're all this screen, that screen, well, that's this, this screen. This you, guy runs you out in the flat. cut out the last screens. drive, right? No, I, I, I'm going to do the last drive. Okay. There's events there that, you know. Starters are out, so. Yeah. But uh, real confusion in the first half. A lot of plays where Michigan is simply not lined up to defend those screens. Yeah. Like they got four versus three or they got two versus three, and it's like – Real frustrating. And it could have been worse. They're also playing in the parking lot. Yeah. A lot. They're playing cover three. I wanted to get this out at the very beginning. They're playing cover three. And one of the things about cover three is that you have the number two guy. You have to to get get over that dude and then affect him before you go into your flat route. It's a curl flat route, right? So before you take the flat, before you have to make sure number two receiver doesn't release vertically on you. You have to get in his way. And what that ends up being against a screen team is you're basically blocking yourself with that other receiver and just not letting yourself get out there. And I think that was three of the plays early on that were, like, highly annoying. So just maybe I, I don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay, but why would you play cover three against a team like this? It's their base coverage. I, I, I think that they just got in tempo and, like, they – I think it's just they didn't respect Indiana, and yeah. they're not going to change what they do. And then they felt that they had to change up when they're in a ten-ten game at halftime. Well, and then I mean it, the ten was not. I I, I understand. I mean that. there was the really dubious pass interference call that converted, and then it was third and thirteen, and Basilak throws up an arm punt from hell, a dime, and right. it's like. And so that was their seven points. I would have liked to review on that because the people at the game were like, that was just offensive pass interference that they pushed off. But I can't see it on the video at all. I mean, whichever thing it was, it's just like, why was that accurate? It should not have been accurate. Well, but you're going to get one of those right. games. Yeah, but I, I mean, given all the other events, Basilak was normally throwing him like 30 yards out of bounds. That's going to go back in the rough section. And, well, but, no, like, but... And then we got to talk about the pass rush, right? Because this was something that I think Alex and I both projected going into the game is they just can't pass block. Mm-hmm. And seven sacks from seven different guys. That's – and then – And a I, couple, couple were blitzes. It's a I sting believe. song, I think. And then 
I don't know anything about Sting. Uh, I want to keep it that way. <laughs> um, but you get Moore gets off the edge. Morris gets off the edge. Oki runs the guard over, which is like, okay. Yeah. That's, we're coming. Mm-hmm. And you have Mason Graham get one. And then. Uh, McGregor got one. McGregor got one on a stunt. And. Colson. He also roughed the passer on a play that did not look like roughing the passer. No, but no, but they already had they already had Michigan for uh, pass interference yeah, in that play. Okay. So it was like it was gonna it was five yards added on to what it should. Harold got one too. He had a chase down. Yeah, yeah, and, and, the, be, and with well, Harold the play that will be talked about in the next segment. And Basilak just can't move. No, like and just contrasting him with McCarthy, like McCarthy got a free rusher to him. And he pops outside and he hits Cornelius Johnson for a touchdown. Yeah, Connor Basilak is never doing that. And I mean, he was getting hit so so much in this game that on their last drive, as soon as he got a rusher to him, he just chunked the ball out of bounds. Like there was one where uh, a linebacker was coming around, but they had a running back to pick him up, and Basilak just didn't carry. I'm just like, I've been hit 35 times in this game, and it's a three touchdown game. I mean, those tackles are some of the worst the Big Ten's ever had. And though, especially the right tackle, who's yeah, I'm miserable. Just, I'm just uh, – I wish this was more projectable. Right. Because, like, we come into this game and we're like, this is, they, they're not going to be able to drop back at all, and they can't. But, like, is that going to matter against Penn State? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there were a couple of times where I just saw Zach Carpenter completely blown up, and I'm like, that guy was supposed to be Michigan's starting center. I, like, that, well, and he was to... clearly their best OL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. By a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's not. Um, still, uh, you know, th- the way Oki dominated every time he went against those guys is projectable. Yeah. And I mean, there is certainly a different vibe to him than I got watching that FCS tape. Yeah. It's like, where is this guy? There, There's people in the comments, the UFRs and whatnot, mad that we weren't um, more, that we weren't more hype about Oki and that like we didn't see it watch enough FCS film but like that's not the only film like watched like he was not this and certainly not like well he's probably getting coached now he's I mean that I think it was probably he had some sort of lingering injury that was not Mm -hmm. enough to keep him off the field but because he had a bunch of sacks early in that season and then his production just went off a cliff so that's the most logical explanation because the guy who's bullying over offensive lineman in the Big Ten was not that guy. Yeah. So I think we didn't get to see tape from, like, you know, UT Martin versus Austin P. Yeah. Early in the season when he had two and a half sacks. Sure. We got the playoff games where I don't think he was fully healthy. Even then, sure. though, like, the, the the other game I could find, he was, like, just a speed rusher, and he was trying a speed rush every single time to the point where they were just setting up against it. Now he's got an inside move. He's got he's got a pu- you know a push pull move. He's got the the bull rush. He is. I mean, all this all this didn't happen in the two weeks of fall camp, right? Like, right. I, well, I don't know, but clearly, no. I mean, he's, they're they're accessing things he probably picked up at Bama, probably picked up at St. Francis, probably was not having the level of coaching at UT. You know, at UT Martin, they were probably like, oh, you're the five star, go pass rush. Well, and he washed out at both Alabama and Houston for behavioral reasons that did not involve like a crime mm-hmm. so he was probably being coached at those places but he probably wasn't listening mm-hmm. and he was pretty upfront about this when michigan put him in front of the press mm-hmm. like he was just like yeah it was that was on me and he, now he seems like he's buckled down and he's serious and he looks like a five-star periodically 
getting there. That's such a find, man. <laughs> I Michigan mean, would never get like, these guys. Like, Thank Biff Pogue. Like, we never just, get these guys. <laughs> we get a five-star that pops up on like August 20th or something. Well, oh, hey, I'm going to come his, play for his you. His transfer was so weird, right? Like He's still on the market halfway through August. Well, what is going on there? He's a grad transfer. There's mm-hmm. not, it's not complicated getting him into school. So... <laughs> well, Michigan had to work with him to grad to get the grad transfer part. Okay, so this was announced late, but in the right early. Okay. Right. So what, I think what happened was he, it was probably happening as of last spring, and Michigan was like, "Okay, you have to take summer classes there to get your grad to get your degree, and then we can do this." And similarly, this is against a very bad OL, but Derek Moore was reputed to be just a speed rusher, and he overpowered a tackle for his sack, and mm-hmm. like. Michigan was crushing the pocket clothes pretty much everywhere. Um, and then, God, Mason Graham. <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's that play in the red zone where he gets doubled and he gives up two yards of space, and then he rips the blocker down and accelerates and makes a tackle at the line of scrimmage. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So we have that. We have the sack from last week. Like, I think he might be the best true freshman defensive tackle in the MGO blog era. I, I, I think, don't think it's close. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, how many have we really gotten to see that the level that we've gotten to see Mason Graham? Did you did you start early enough for Alan Branch? Because that's probably the only other true freshman tackle who was in there. He I did, that's true. Was, I did was. chart Alan Branch. Uh, I think it was later in his career where you started, though. Uh, you like his, fir- his first year was 04. Yeah, so I think he was maybe one year. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that was like he was – yeah. So, But, I mean, that's what we're talking <laughs> Talking about I, I, I had a class with him. He might have been the largest human being that I've ever seen. Or like uh-huh. Lamar Woodley. But even but Lamar he's a, Woodley he was, was an a defensive end. end. Yeah. yeah. Defensive ends can do that. Yeah. So the uh, the production there, the responsibility, like he's the guy who caused that turfed uh, screen. Yeah. He spins off a block and he's like, okay, I see the running back sitting here. I'm going to be responsible. I mean. That's a fresh. That's a true freshman. Yeah. I, it's it's it boggles the mind. Kenneth Grant got some run too, didn't he? He got a lot of run. Like yeah. I think this was good for getting guys run because it's like, oh, it's Indiana. We got ninety snaps. We can <laughs> hand them out like candy. Just, right, so. right. And and like, well, Jimmy Rolder was out there a bunch, and Claude Muggs actually makes a play. Like the, the they were. <laughs> Let's not say it like that. <laughs> it looks like Claude Muggs made a play, dude. That's where he's at right now. Yeah. I I think I'm on Team South with this. Uh, well, I mean. In the preseason, we're like, we cannot sustain an injury to linebacker core. And then, yeah. And so, it, so I mean, maybe this is out of place, but is, is Hill Green just – I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, whatever his injury is, it's a lingering one that they're, you know, they're, they're not going to force him in there early. So, especially against Indiana, that's just the wrong team. That, you would think it would have been Iowa. Yeah. I mean, this no. is not the linebacker team. No. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't I, – I don't think that you're going to activate a guy who's – questionable for Iowa okay like it'll be Penn State or maybe after the bye week because Michigan State yeah so I think like if you're wondering like if this guy is going to be available for real team Penn State's it right like yeah this is the first game where you're looking at a spread that's going to be under 10 (laughs) I'm sorry that it feels very Ohio State to me like you know we're talking about this and you're talking about different players like you know, uh, he, he, he pass rushed well, or he's starting to come along, but is it projectable and all that stuff, or does it even matter? And it's like you start thinking about the schedule, and you're like, well, there's Penn State, and then, I mean, Michigan State looks not Terrible. so good, and then the, Illinois. Next, the next three teams. Illinois. Illinois. 
Illinois and Nebraska and Rutgers, and you're New like, Wisconsin. and then and then you're to Ohio State. Yeah. And like, how many years in the last ten years have we looked at Ohio State's schedule and like, well, they might get a game from this team, and then I think they have to play us for whatever that means. Yeah. And it's feeling like Michigan is like now starting to enter that conversation of, oh, we might have a game against this one team in the middle of the year, and then we have to play someone at the end of the year. That has a lot to do with the state of the Big Ten, I think. <laughs> big big or, two, little 12. Or it's what Ohio State's been doing for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. So it might just be what it is. I, honestly, I think Michigan has kind of gotten to the spot where, like, D'Antonio's Michigan State was maybe just a little bit higher than that, where, like, they are the other ones. If Ohio State trips up, Michigan's the one. And, like, they, Michigan does not recruit on the level of Ohio State. When we're talking about, like, backup no, linebackers, we're talking do, about Nakai Hill Green, not a five-star. They do recruit on a level beyond anyone else in the conference. Yes. But they, they Except also, Penn State. But they also develop players as well as maybe anyone. And fine and, guys. And that, to me— And they don't have someone sabotaging their whole program who happens to be in charge of it. Right. But, but my point is, like— you can recruit really good players, and they probably maybe most of the time pan out, although I don't know. There's the guys that Ohio State's whiffed on. And then you can take guys that no one knows about and turn them into NFL players, and Michigan has done that for a long time. And so what is better? What what produces better results? I don't know that the answer is always clear. Michigan's, Michigan's I mean, style, Aiden yeah. Hutchinson was a top 100 guy. He wasn't a top 20 guy. No. He and wasn't. he w- went number two in the draft no, well, legitimately. And when was Adam Schnepp went and watched him, he came back and he was like, wow, this guy was good. Like, well, correct. But, but, I mean, yeah, but and not like just top 100 He was good. a Mason Graham. Didn't ri- rise enough. Yeah. Okay. The recruiting, recruiting services are willing to be wrong a little bit. They're wow. willing to be like, all right, we found this one guy. He can be a five-star. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Michigan is continually nailing those players where the recruiting services are like, we can be wrong on him. Yeah, I mean, I think Loveland's going to be another one. I mean, Mason Graham is another perfect example. Uh-huh. That guy I mean, they didn't pulled even make Uche, the top They pulled Quiddy Pay. They pulled yeah. – um, oh, there's another defensive end that I'm missing on. Chase Winovich. I mean, like, these are, like, really good players that – Winovich is a pretty big deal. Okay, but they also moved him to tight end. <sighs> Fullback. He was a full whatever. What? That was that's got to be the craziest attempt. Anyway, I'm just in Michigan history. I'm just saying that it it just starting to feel like with the players that Michigan's putting on the field, whether they're really great recruits or really developed good players, they're entering the level now that they're getting the quarterback play that Ohio State's gotten since Terrell Pryor. That I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State every year. I'm saying that now they're in that conversation of okay, we have to circle one game that Michigan might have to really pull out an A-level game to win before we play Ohio State. All right. Uh, back to defensive things. Uh, I did want to ask you, did you notice anything about Colson? I know that there, Seth noted him for some busted zones against Iowa. Is there anything about him in this I game? I loved when they brought him on a blitz. <laughs> okay. Because so, he's so athletic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And if he knows what direction to go, whoa, does he get there fast? Because he starts from way outside on that play where that offensive tackle out there is not, is not even looking for him because you would not look for somebody who's sitting that far out in the flat. That's like where safeties will blitz from out there. I mean, he's the uh, – he was kind of late getting lined up in the first half a lot. I don't, and that might not be on Colson. That might be on the coaching. Okay. So, and I, I do think that there were, are going to be a couple hiccups. Like, the one of their chunk runs was on Barrett. Like, 
it was they ran the same play twice in a row, and Barrett screwed it up once and got it right once. Yeah, and it was a difference between like fifteen yards and three. Right, right, and and the the defensive tackles were once again eating up doubles, especially Mozzie Smith, and that. When you do that, that is to give your linebackers an opportunity to get to the right place and you know and make a play. Well, he had to take on a, a block both those times, and as we talked yeah. about, he's not that great at doing that. But yeah. all he has to do is just get to the right place and funnel back, and then plays dead. And yeah. he did that once, and he didn't do it once. I, I did almost think Colson was part of the first one because Mozzie Smith's taken on a double. Colson ends up on the wrong side of that double. And then Barrett is kind of like babysitting two gaps instead of getting to his gap. And on the one that he screwed up, and then when he got it right, Colson actually got his hits right that time too. So I was I I don't know it, but like I wonder if Barrett saw that there was like that's pretty wide open gap in front of him and kind of doesn't want to leave that because he figures that's where the running back's going to go. I think that's relying on Barrett's peripheral vision picking up what Colson is doing and interpreting it, which is sounds a little far fetched. <laughs> it's it's, it's far fetched, but sometimes you see you do see guys sometimes taking on. Multiple roles, especially linebackers. Uh, we've talked about the defensive ends and tackles. We've talked about the linebackers. The only thing I had was, like, some mistackling at times. In those drives, I thought I had a couple mistackles written down that yeah. seemed to leave a little to be desired. Yeah, I mean, that they were, who's that tiny guy that kept hitting in space? That guy's got some jitter. Oh, a little 12 guy? Yeah. yeah. I was like, that guy looks like a child. He must be fast. I think he's one of those little guys they got from North Carolina. They like, Anyone who looks like a child on a football field has got to be fast. That's just a fact. Whoever was... Because uh, like, why else is he there? Uh-huh. Okay. Mac Brown had like uh, one... There was one transition where they were going to go with scat backs, and he got a whole bunch of these little fast guys. And because they're not being used at North Carolina, Indiana went and like you know loaded up on them. They got... I think maybe two or even three guys out of North Carolina are all the same player. That might might be one of them. So that he was one of those guys, I think. But I wanted Rod Moore to be a little bit more physical when he comes down on the on his guy. Yeah, there. I mean, there. I don't know. Kind of felt like there's some tactical issues. Moten missed the tackle, and then I had Page missing a tackle, and I had uh, Colson missing a tackle, and like I think that's what also contributed to some of those big gains on their drives where they actually did move the ball yeah. were just yeah. they had them kind of dead after a few yards and when you do that enough times and Turner also got stuck on now they gave him a receiver who's a lot bigger than him I kind of wanted Jamon Green to be on uh what was it Cam what was his name the one who got the big long camper camper, camper. um I kind of wanted Green to be on camper because he just got more size and you know Turner would just get stuck on him sometimes on those uh, on those screens and you know you're you're wondering like who's supposed to make the play once the safeties come down and actually push that back out again the cornerback is supposed to have gotten off his block by then because yeah. he's had enough time and Turner was just getting stuck on camper not because of holding cause but just because he's smaller he's smaller and yeah. just couldn't get around him and you know he's just getting blocked in the sideline and not not fighting like the world needs to end probably a little bit of like we're playing indiana in that <laughs> too like did you notice green at all because i had no notes on him i i, I don't even barely know. targeted him yeah, yeah. So the, Which, the that's sh- interesting i mean the shot that got completed was to at turner's guy the pi was on turner yeah i think he had two uh he had the pick there was the the only time I remember him throwing anything complete against Green was like late. It was like that that last nothing the, drive, uh, the last they, drive, where and they got like a five it. yard yeah. hitch underneath him. Which I mean, he I think that they're you know 
this is the approach that they had. They were a screen game. So they're going to the side that has all the players, and DJ Turner is your number one cornerback, and he's going to be on that side. And then the, guy, the side with one receiver, they're just there to keep Green away from the play. Mm. And I guess Michigan – thought Turner was their you know, their better dog in that kind of situation and wanted him to be that. But it kinda created that matchup that was the size I mean, matchup. You know, I don't know. The the issues there are, are more about getting lined up and then in the second yeah. half they really didn't have very much success with screens at all. They yeah. didn't have success with anything in the second half. No. no. I mean, well they, they switched up. They weren't doing that cover three thing anymore. And right. so like you they if you're letting number two go go behind you and you're just taking care of him with a safety, now you can react very quickly to anything in the flat. And that was the difference. They just switched up to like, you know, quick reaction to the flat instead of that's what we're giving up. La- the only other thing I had on the defense was that I think Will Johnson got called for a substitution infraction. And he was like really like oh, getting that up goes the, the next segment. That was a rough okay. thing. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the next segment Let's talk to the Sklars and then get angry. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Is your online store sluggish, outdated, underperforming? You may be suffering from chronic crappy website disorder. One in three online stores built by your brother's friend's nephew currently suffers from chronic crappy website. But now, there's hope. 
Introducing Human Element. Huel has helped hundreds suffering from CCW to turn their online stores around, creating fast, secure, and engaging online experiences that turn visitors into customers and put products back at the top of their search engine game. Before Huel, I had abandoned carts, browser errors, and poorly animated GIFs. Now, with Huel, I can focus on what I'm actually good at, running my business. Jeffrey, would you be a deer and pull the Ferrari around? Side effects may include increased traffic, customer conversions, better ROI, compliments, elation, and early retirement. Why live with the disappointment of chronic crappy website disorder? Speak to your human element consultant today to see if Huel is right for you. These guys are kind of struggling when they're refereeing a game. I need it like, like Clats, like, you know, like trying to be diplomatic. You guys can't be diplomatic. You guys got to bring it. That, that was, right. that was hot for Clat. Ah, it was. <laughs> Seth, give up. me your hottest yeah. take. Cornelius Johnson needs to drop one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Whenever he drops a pass, and he did this a lot last year. <laughs> All of a sudden, he goes off. Now, when he doesn't drop a pass, he has a very quiet day. And, like, uh-huh. there's there's not a lot of Cornelius Johnson things. And then if he drops a pass, he gets angry. It's, so should it's we a have reset him, button? We should have yeah. him drop the opening kickoff. <laughs> no. No, we've already seen what happens when that happens. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. It happened yesterday again. Well, well he's th- – so Cornelius Johnson is all about the redemption story is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Like or, he's, or he he's... just drops one – Early in the game, and then he just gets like so upset with himself that he balls out the rest of the game. So I mean, the one he dropped though, the one he dropped, if he catches it and makes one move, yeah, yeah, and he knew it, and he was so angry that he was the best receiver on the field for the rest of the game when he was absent the the game before that. Cornelius Johnson needs to drop one every game. Randy, give me your hottest take. Carson Barnhart is the key to the offensive line. So oh, he's I stealing my it, material I again. I think that it comes to the expense at the expense of Trent A. Jones, and you hope it's just a high ankle sprain that gets better in a few weeks. But it's like the dude played really, really, really well. The line played like really well after he was in. I thought. Well, uh, I mean, it, it, the guy who is replacing the injured guy is going to be pretty important. Yeah. So hopefully that continues. Jason, give me your hottest take. College football players should be fined 
for unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that should come out of their NIL. <laughs> That's probably the oldest man take we've ever had. <laughs> Awful, but I will tell you, who am I? Chris Ballas? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh! I love Chris Ballas. I, I listen to him and I love him. Um, and his, and like, his site right, is a hugely like valuable site, so... <laughs> No, no, I love it. It's him. only a dollar a so, no, month or whatever right now. No, but what I'm saying is, so I think about how well Jalen Jalen Harrell, Harold, Harrell. Do we still have a ruling on that? Harrell. Um, I think about how well he played yesterday, and I what stands out for me though was that lapse of judgment and that you know that it feels like a few times this year. I think Rayshon Benny got called on one. I definitely think Upshaw got called on one where we ended drives. The drive was over. The sack didn't come on first down, didn't come on second down, or the play didn't come. It came on third down. This is a get-the-defense-off-the-field moment, and then we do some stupid thing that costs us well, the can end we of the get, drive. Well, can we get a ruling is like a finger sniff? Is that still part of a throat slash? Like, we don't even... Yeah, it was definitely misinterpreted. Whatever he was doing was misinterpreted. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I just, like, whatever random celebration you're doing is there's a 5% chance it's going to get flagged. That's not on Jalen Harrell. So, yeah, my my. But I would be like, well, I'd be like, go sell, go jump around with your friends and get off the field. Like, seriously. like for No, real. the sniff so, the thing is cool. So, it's cool. So I want more I want of it. My, my take on this is that if I'm coaching these players, I don't think these penalties should be called, and I would tell them that. But I would also tell them, don't do it. I understand you want right. to be cool. I understand that it's fun. I understand that, and I'm not against that. But I don't want 15 yards of penalties. I mean, and if you don't so do that, you will never get called for one. I mean, there is a exactly? really good way to avoid not getting 15 yard on sports like penalties just, by not doing that. It's not doing it's what though? Any sort of motions, any sort, <laughs> go, any sort of motions. Go jump around with, like, like he said, go jump around with your friends, hit so each other on the head, run back to the sidelines. It's fine. Just don't put, don't. Give the ref a chance. Don't even give him a chance. Or, or, David, I agree with you. Or we need to develop some complicated sideline post system. Like get off the turnover tool. Like the turnover sports machine. And you get over there and it's like the Miami, it's like the turnover chain. But it's like, you know, it's this giant old school mainframe computer that you press a bunch of buttons and you do, but it becomes. Are you like you, sack up some lunch or make some sack lunches? Or I don't know what you do on the sideline, but like let's you come up with some ritual that happens right. on the sideline that you can go crazy. You can grab your crotch. You can jump up in the sky. You can make a all right, They, all they right. do like, put on expensive shades yeah. when they get a turnover. That's, uh, yeah. I, I'm, like I, wonder, I, was, I wonder if the ref thought about flagging that, too. It was very yeah. bright out, oh, though. come on. <laughs> I was like, maybe he's actually Sorry. wearing them during I, the game. By the way, I agree with David. It's not I, – I don't think – I don't necessarily think they should be flagged for that at all, but I'm like, if there's a chance you can, why would you want to erase a great play for some dumb thing that really, whatever, you know? All right. Dave, give me your hottest take. Well, it's already kind of been mentioned, but mine was Michigan will not miss Trenty Jones. That's that's bolder. That is hotter. Than, than you guys, that is you guys so, are just you're, why am I the only person okay. who's like Carson Barnhart doesn't grade well? I, okay, I'm the only person in the world I feel like you well, we'll you see. you are probably right when you were talking about that stuff. I trust you when you're talking about O line and everything. I mean football, but anyway, in this particular case, it was grading O linemen. Fine. My point was that Trenty Jones has had 
some pass pro gaffes throughout the season, and they have continued, and I did not see one of those yesterday. And I think that Michigan is going to need to not have those in the two to three games that we talked about that are really big, that are going to be tighter games down the stretch. And if Barnhart pass protects well, I think that that is worth the trade-off of maybe missing a run block from time to time. There, my, my, am, I, am I incorrect? My, my take on these guys, and it, it's different than normal between when you – like one guy's a run blocker, the other guy's a pass blocker. But yeah. it's not like normal where one guy just doesn't have the agility to pass block and one guy just doesn't have the strength to run block. Both of them have the ability. They just make weird mistakes consistently in, in their perspective field. So Trente Jones, for some reason, doesn't block a guy sometimes. And Carson Barnhart, in the running game, for some reason just runs by guys. And then turns around instead of like moving on and like letting Michigan try to deal with his mistake. Both of them seem fixable, but it, it both in both cases it just keeps happening with those guys. So uh, you're really just you're yeah, trading a guy who David, messes up in one phase or the other. But what David's saying is you miss a guy on a run block and maybe the guy gets stuffed after a yard or two. You miss a guy on a pass block and a disaster. It could be a fumble six. Right. It could be an interception. It could be something like that's, that. That's a that's a good hot take. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. Here I go. Uh-oh. Michigan's refusal to pass once out of pistol is an assassination attempt directed at me. <laughs> you really had to up they're, the ante with, like, the consequence of this. You're, you're tired of me. Die. They're bumping me off because whenever they go in pistol and they run out of it and they get two yards, I inch closer to death. Seth. Do you think that's, that's right. why the offense made so much sense last year? They're like, Brian's gone. Seth's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> we can run the offense. And then you come back. They're like, uh-oh. We now got, we really got to come up we with got, something. Yes. We got to take him out. I believe this. <laughs> they're mad, that they, wait, they're mad that they have to play called just to piss off Brian. Yes. They, they, see, not, now I'm offended because now they think that like they're going to be better off with me. They're like, that's not going to be dangerous to Several us. years Brian, ago, Ward Manuel went to nights where he was drugged in the bathroom. And then Dave Brandon put on a Ward Manuel suit. And he's oh. running the athletic department again. And his main concern is murdering me. There is no way... Dave that's Brandon. not true. There's no way that's not true. No, no. There's no way Dave Brandon would be behind this and not reveal it to everybody <laughs> as much as possible. Dave Brandon could not right. stand being on TV and not people not as, knowing it's Dave as, Brandon. As plots go, it's far yeah. too confident for Dave Brandon's hands. There you go. <laughs> but I still think it's true. Do, do we have an MGO security detail for you? <laughs> we need one. All right. If you can't get enough Sklar Brothers, check out the nosebleeds on UFC Fight Pass or their Patreon, or Dumb People Town, or Sklarblower Country, and they're touring everywhere. Just Google Sklars, and you'll get millions of hits. Millions! All right, so I guess we should start with the ref show for this segment. Ooh, there so, were a few. It was interesting because there were a lot of penalties called in a, in a stretch of play, and then no penalties in the rest of the game, it felt like. They had that drive. They had the drive where the refs just like, we're going to run this, run the game all of a sudden. Oh, I mean, they also had those back-to-back uh, delay a game penalty. Not delay a game. They had false starts. D- yeah. Didn't Ronnie Bell say something in the post game about some of these calls? Where I, I, I want to say it was Isaiah that was tweeting about 
him in the press conference, someone asking about the penalties, and he goes, come on, dog, you know what was going on there. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> that, I mean, there, 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 there was the penalty on Harrell after his sack where uh, he does a thing that is, I don't know, he so that he wipes like the thing. snot from his face because he that he's wiping the snot from his nose is what that motion is and no anyone who says that like they thought he was like doing a, a cross the neck thing the ref is standing right in there right there watching it it's so cool that when we come back for the second half Fox uses that to like introduce like the second half like here we go here's the game here's the highlight reel and they show him doing that this it's is, the this weakest is, flag I've ever so seen it's a stupid what what I think it is is I. There's a thing now where wide receivers do the first down signal by wiping their nose when they get a first down, mm-hmm. like the other way. Where it they'll doesn't like, matter. Oh, okay. What well, matters is that that's not a penalty. But what I'm saying is that what Harrell was doing in relation to your like throat slash saying that he wasn't doing. I think is, you should be able to do a throat slash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if no one's Chase been- Witovich can take out his own heart and eat it, you should be able to do a throat slash. It's cool. It's so cool that Foxes, when they're coming back and they're like, hey, watch this a, game, like, they, they use that sign? clip. I'm not talking about a gang I mean, sign. I don't think that – I think you don't have to be in a gang to slash someone's look, throat. I, I don't mean, think that's a good thing to encourage in life. Well, if I don't want to encourage Chase Winovich taking out his own heart and eating it. That's But if that's he gets true. a sack, it's his right to do that. It was so, so, so weak. I mean, it, it, it was, it was the, the, like the guy's the, sensibilities were offended is why he threw that yeah, flag. The only reason that the, that football polices that so hard is, well, never mind. Uh, uh, on the penalties, Ronnie Bell I, says, I know what you mean, dog. Come on, dog. You know what was going on. Come on, okay. dog. You know, yeah. Well, and then they ha- they barely get the OPI. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, and, uh, Indiana touchdown. And, and, the, and like the guy like drops it really quietly at his feet while they're talking about it, and then he like goes to pick it up a couple times and doesn't. Well, like you I could mean, tell that that point at the end of that drive, the freakout was so bad. They're like, guys, I think we need. To, was it? And then you know what? They missed one on one of Michigan's touchdowns. I yeah, mean, the Cornelius Johnson touchdown was definitely across the line. Of <laughs> Absolutely. And Tom Allen's like, bro. <laughs> And I was like, "Yeah, all right, you got a point there, Tom." <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a it's at least a yard past the. So I, I mean, I don't think this like I, the the bell quote doesn't seem uh, apropos to me because I don't think this was hideously slanted in any one direction. I just think that these guys are total losers who should never referee a football game again. Maybe oh. maybe, maybe that's what he was saying. I I kind of thought it was a different direction. Anyway, I mean, maybe we don't. I, maybe I don't need to say that, but it, it, I thought maybe Ronnie Bell meant something else there. They also called. A, one on an Indiana guy who's like still ripping the ball out, like which I understand, like the play yeah, is the, over, you're the, out of bounds. The late hit was was kind of weak too. No, the late hit on the return. No, no, the, the late but, hit, but, yeah, but like the, that one was fine. Yeah, but but the one on you're talking about where he's just he's ripping like, the ball out. Yeah, ball, yeah, yeah, that's that's a legal play, and like it's still plausible. It was that, it was way out of bounds. And like it's late, but also it's like that's not dangerous. No, that's no. not going to hurt anybody. No, just let that go. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the block in the back on Henning's first return was didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, it was a guy chasing another guy who then tries to form up and just goes over and it's like that Indiana didn't was touch him. so floppy in this game. Ah. No, no, I don't, don't think just me. They were throwing I, themselves to the ground. This, they were. Oh my, I could. This I, isn't the Italian national soccer team. This is Nob. 
Wait a minute. This I don't is know what that means. Indiana football is the Italian <laughs> soccer team. There was another guy who like jumped in the air and kicked his leg out to draw a holding call. The the punter like forgets to do it at first, and then like at the last second, you see him falling <sighs> down. All right, let's like, save this for Thursday when you and you and Craig can gang up on me. But uh, I don't want to do this with Craig. I, I no, <laughs> no, no. The last thing, you go, the you last go way thing, you, too far. Whenever officials come up, the last thing that you need to do is set Craig on fire with the referees. Yeah, I don't want to. Well, do then I, just, I have to stuff him in a closet and, I'm not and spray so, him with a so fire. This extinguisher. is not an officials thing. This is this Indiana is what, was. Coached this is what I can do. Clock. I can just say, "Hey, Craig, what do you think about the officials?" And then I don't have to be on the podcast the rest of it. I can just be like, you know, I got to get my work done. Got to chart some plays. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Should, should we you talk should not about not be charting plays till on Thursday morning, Brian? I was going to say that, but that's, at that point, should, right, should we talk about all of the blocked field goals? I mean, they got blocked. Uh, they was, also got blocked up the middle. Yeah, there was an interesting tweet by Zoltan Mesko, who yeah. who only appears like he comes out to tweet like once every three years, and every time <laughs> he's completely on point. Uh, and, and he does for this, and he's just like, Michigan lined up a lot wider. Their splits are a lot wider than they, they usually are. Yeah. Indiana and Michigan both did like a tackle over field goal kick in this game, which is like a, a thing that someone's put on tape recently where like there's a couple fakes that you can do off of it because people don't really realize who's the eligible receiver. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but they uh, – well, so Michigan also, tries also, that, but they line up too wide on it. You see, you see teams do that on short yardage field goals from a hash because mm-hmm. – the field goal is going to go a particular a certain direction. direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he had good punt returns. He did, and that was something you could you could project from their punter stats. Like they were a hundredth or ninety ninth. Yeah, good call on net. that one. I mean, it's you can just see it in the stats that he's uh, not a hang time guy. And then, <laughs> right? What? That's no. a funny thing to say. Uh, he's just not a hang time guy. What? Yeah, he's what else do you do with punt? I guess you line drive them. Yeah. All right. He's a, he's he's the only New Zealander that I remember, and like now that now I'm going to think New Zealanders are all like this guy. <laughs> like you know, we have an idea of what an Aussie punter does, and this is, is this is a New Zealander punter. Stephen Adams is he lurking did, somewhere. He did do a kind of a cool shimmy at one point to get away. I th- thought Michigan was really close to blocking one. They brought their attack where they actually beat the shield, mm-hmm. and he kind of shimmies over to the left before punting and like gives himself the extra foot that he needs. And I thought that was kind of a, you know, you've probably played Aussie rules football um, kind of play. But still, good call. He line drives them deep and gives you an opportunity to return. And then we were, we mentioned this in the offense segment, but that Ronnie Bell catch at the what was that, the end of the first half? I don't remember exactly. Oh, where he sticks the ball out? Where he sticks the ball out. Yeah. One, I mean, that, that spot was not good. And two, that's a pretty high-leverage situation and that you – and it's a situation where usually I'm not going to advocate for spot reviews, but that one was pretty clear mm-hmm. where it's like he's reaching the ball out, his his foot goes down, where the ball is is where the spot should be, and the ref who comes up and spots it is coming from behind Ronnie Bell, so he doesn't see that the ball's a right. yard further forward, and right. it's fourth and one. I think you got to spend your, your review there. So the problem that I have with this is that for a – view like that you want it to be on fox because they generally have the best views and angles and all of that and i didn't i thought they did a poor job of showing us that the fox first was terrible no the first time. the first review i thought was the first replay of that play i thought was very clear but you couldn't yeah. see where his foot was when 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 the ball was at its maximum yeah, you could. Point. i mean like you could yeah, like it, if it was if it was on the ground out of bounds or inbounds because i thought there were people in the way it's 
Well, I thought that there was at least one shot that you could piece it together. Okay. Like it was clear that he was already reaching the ball out when his his foot was down. And then because it's on the sideline, the yard line markers are right there. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty good chance of an overturn. And like worst case scenario, it's fourth and an inch. And you can go at that point. And that saves you a possession. So I thought that was a spot where you – you should definitely. And, and you got to use the thing. I mean, it's it's just an asset, and it's not like right. you're. And it's like it costs you a timeout if you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing. Michigan's been a little too conservative. They have. I don't think they've thrown a challenge flag all year, and that's you know that, that's an asset. That you Harbaugh's have to waiting to be up forty-five nothing on someone. Before right. He's like, oh, I got to challenge that. Ah. Right. <laughs> right. But I mean, if you, if because you, the other the alternative is punting when you've you know you've had a little bit of defensive issues this, this game and like that's a huge swing right there. Yeah, I mean, it felt like something that was worth the the, the shake, and I thought he got it. Yeah. So their uh, first down passing rate in the first half was also at forty four percent, seven of sixteen, and we kind of talked about this too, being this is the game where you want to see play action, you want to see throwing for yeah, JJ. Honestly, that probably should have been higher, right? I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking is you'd, you'd hope it would be a little bit higher. Some of those were in the red zone. Because they start off with three passes. And yeah. Those are all complete. Yeah. And then they run the ball, and it's just like Indiana will not be put off the idea that they're going to go hell for leather mm-hmm. against running on first down. And I think it's hard for a football coach to be like, all right, we just threw three passes. We should throw – Another pass. <laughs> unless, well, unless you're are, Mike Leach, there are certain real... there are certain coaches that are going to do that. Yeah, other ones are just going to be like, uh, start shaking and be like, quick, ha- we got to we got to hand the ball off. Right, They're yeah. also trying to get Coram a Heisman this year, so I mean, you kind of have to give him a couple touches. But you could also throw the ball to him. That's true. They could. And there still hasn't been a wheel to him yet this year, has there? Well, they tried it, but McCarthy didn't pull the trigger. Sure. Um, you know what else they should call intentional grounding. Ah, uh, there are there were some whoppers in this one. I mean, so basically, you mean when he's just, still in the pocket, throwing? when he's still in the pocket, I mean, and he just chucks just, it off his back. He, well, like, he chucks it off his back foot, and it goes in the sideline. But there's a wide receiver there, and it's far enough downfield that they're never ever going to call it. There's a, there's a degree if it lands beyond the coaches, like if now it's going into the stands, like there's the the idea of the rule is you're not supposed to just be able to throw the ball away to avoid a sack. Like if the defense has won that situation, you're not supposed to be able to just like fling the ball okay. in any direction without looking. And if there is one where he's not looking at all where it goes. If just we're having it up a philosophical conversation about whether that should be intentional grounding. We can have that's that the conversation I want to be having. But I'm not saying no. I, that never gets called. But it this this needs to change. How I many sacks did you need game. Michigan to have in this game? More sacks. More sacks. I need more sacks. I want a, more punting. They, no, they <laughs> the defense is deserve it deserves more than just a throwaway, especially when like they run one of those plays on like third and five, and it's now one of them that. Absolutely should have been because he's not looking downfield. It doesn't make it to the line of scrimmage, and I feel goes like if eight Seth yards d- out of bounds. If Seth does this five times, I get to rant about offsides in hockey. Oh, like I get like a punch card. <laughs> if I fill up my punch card, I get to rant about. But, but the, I mean, if you bring a punch card, we will bring you on the hockey it, cast. It, and can rant it about mattered because this one I'm talking about, it, they would have been backed up another 20 yards, and then that ensuing yeah. punt is the one that ends up on the two, and they have to go. Michigan's go 98 yards. Okay. So like it it it, it matters. Like it, it even though it was a third and long situation already, it matters whether you're calling that or not, and 
you, you won the play. I mean, you what happens is you're going to get yards. like an engineer out there who's like, well, you know, if you're throwing it at that angle and uh, <laughs> it's going that far down the field, you know, and you deviate two degrees, it's going to be way away. Let's just be football and, like, fans. You're not, you're Let's not, just be football fans, you know all any, right? Do you know any engineers who would do this, Brian? If the quarterback, I would do this. Just this so is my point. That was the joke. If the quarterback <laughs> is facing his guy and he throws it high out of bounds, no, but I it's mean, just like at all possible he's throwing at one a guy. of those. He completed one okay, of those. Okay, well that's inside. So there the he field. gets he gets a, a pass that for the rest the of the game. <laughs> is that what maybe, it is? Maybe maybe he's trying to complete it, but he's Connor Basilek. <laughs> that's so that's okay. I'll give you credit for that. Well, there you go. There, you've answered the question. Well done, Devil's Advocate. For <laughs> I'm not the Devil's Advocate. Can You're I, the Devil's Advocate. No, I'm a. I'm complaining about the Devil. Those are those are double plays. You know who else I was upset with? Fox was not showing replays in this game. That's sort of what I was saying. Well, there was one, like, I didn't think that they their like replay game play was so strong. they could show a shot of someone on the sideline, and I was like, that's not. Well, the thing that yeah. they did is they didn't realize that Indiana goes tempo. So they do the split screen, and they and the left screen is the replay, and the right screen is the actual line or, yeah. or play. Right. What's going on? And they were late to get back to it because they didn't realize. Oh wait, Indiana takes. Fewer seconds than they Oregon missed, used they to. They missed a Michigan offensive play, and there's no excuse for that. Well, that's pretty right. bad. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And they, I'm not going to talk crap about the Big Noon guys, though, because like I get to see downfield when Big Noon's in town. True, true. I do not get like I cannot believe whoever is the director for ABC who's like, you know what people want to see on a football field? Close up, one blade of grass. It, again, <laughs> in, in Michigan State, Ohio State, which that entire game is being played downfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that they're 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 a different type of annoying. It I I actually disagree that they didn't know about Indiana. I think that was a decision that the directors made based off of what Indiana does. They're like these guys run so much tempo, cut back on the on the replays because you're just not going to have time to get them yeah. in. It's going to interrupt. Yeah. But I think that they overcompensated and just didn't replay a lot of things. Like when Bazelak throws the ball off his back foot and it goes downfield without him looking, and that that play did not get a replay. Get over it. Get over it. <laughs> just let it go. Let it go, Seth. No, I'm talking about for a ref reason. Let like that's a, that's a cool thing that doesn't get a replay. Oh and then it takes them forever to like Seth, even get to the replay. Seth, when we're it's no longer something. the hot take segment. Chill out. Simmer down. 1990s uh, slang. You don't know that, but I do. My grandma used to tell me to simmer down all the time. <laughs> the Henning had four kick ret- or three kick returns, and none of them got to the 25. Are you, do you want him to roll those dice? Yeah, I mean he got to the 24. Yeah, so and, and take the shot. And one okay. of them, he's got a good lane. Just Quentin Johnson missed a block, and that guy comes and gets him. So like that one actually had legs. That yeah. he, that he, that guy gets he gets past that one guy. Like if he's, he if he's getting away. down inside the twenty, then I'm like, ah, oh, I got issues with that. If he's, I mean, if he's, those, if he's crossing the twenty, you're like, it's, it's worth rolling the dice. Yeah, and like none of those were actually in the end zone. Yeah. So like I don't. I mean, we're not here to fair catch. We're here to play football. That's fair. I love that the they we keep on trying to change the rules. And Michigan's like, nah. No, no, we're, we're, we're <laughs> that that I will I will be on board with because yeah. I I the last thing one of the things that I get annoyed about is the fact that we're still doing kickoffs but we're trying not to do kickoffs but we're still doing kickoffs at least when they have these other upstart leagues they're just like all right you know what we're either scrapping the kickoff altogether or we're going to completely change the kickoff play and try to make it plausible. College I still football in the any, NFL any data that a kickoff is more dangerous than a regular. Well, whatever. I, I I I'm not that. That's fine. But 
we're changing the rules to take kickoffs out of the game, but we're not taking kickoffs out of the game. Like, do one or the other. It's security theater. All right, before we end this segment, I have a question for you. Uh Uh-oh. Can a game-winning field goal be a sad field goal? Because it kind of felt like the 6-9 to Iowa game was like, that's a sad field goal. feels like there were a lot of sad field goals in that game. Five, to be specific. (laughs) All right. If it was Iowa kicking that field goal and they needed three field goals and a game winner to beat Illinois, Uh a team that apparently they've beaten more or less 15 years in a row, Uh then that's a very different kind of sad field goal. Okay. But it's a very happy field goal if Illinois makes it and beats Iowa for the first time in a decade and a half. To win a game where there were no touchdowns. I suppose that you did not watch the Colts and Broncos. Uh, (laughs) I saw people complaining about it on Twitter. Does that count? Uh, For you, it probably does. Well, it seems like I made a good decision with my life. Uh, There's an argument for that, but it was a nice follow-up for those of us who did stay up for the end of the Colts. All right, so the verdict is that it was not a set field goal. No, it was, it, it, like I said, if Iowa had done it, okay. that would have been... No. I just had to ask. That, that, I, that's I, fair. I wanted to know, like, what I was the happy. Were, were you happy for Illinois? I was happy for Illinois. Uh, no, <laughs> I was more happy for... The game to end? Yeah. Anyway, we have a verdict. Let's talk to Jamie. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages... Approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734 945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our complicated loan. Brian used them. You should use them, too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to HomeShareLending.com. That's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E Lending.com slash Blog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-531. 9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me. Kind of an annual tradition. Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? 9. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your, your coverage probably sucks. And you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because 
I had a guy. Uh, he's a uh, name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, "Yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it." I also like. I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? They have a website? <laughs> they have one of those, too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together, and you will save money on your insurance, and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto, and they do life, too. All right. So, you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein Insurance, this, this website will come up? Yes. Wonders never cease. basically right next to Yost Ice Arena. And then, like, after the game, you need to go get a drink? That's what I, I did. I went after both games this week, and I, I came over here. Mm-hmm. I had a very good Manhattan. Here is where? Venue. Good point. We're advertising. Yes. That's good. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the chef, Thad, came out and kind of talked to me a little bit. It was it was chill. It was cool. I enjoyed it a great deal. I'll probably be hitting up a venue after most hockey games. So if you want to come out and not be weird at me, hit up venue. We welcome in Jamie back at JustCoverBlog.com. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. I'm just a little bleary-eyed this morning. I was up till about 2 a.m. watching Hawaii-San Diego State, hoping <laughs> that our Wolverines non-conference opponents would pull a 3-0 and weekend. But after the Colorado State and UConn wins, UConn, by the way, on a heater, two wins in a row, it did not work out. Hawaii lost on a last-second field goal. Well, Brady Hoke rides again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the lucky horseshoe had, had, had at least one... No. One lucky point. I still have PTSD. All right, let's start with Purdue 31, Maryland 29, probably the most entertaining game of the week. Nobody could run the ball in this game. Maryland scores a touchdown while down eight, scores to tie the game, and it comes back on an an ineligible man downfield. And the reason Maryland had to go for two in the first place is that Purdue blocked an extra point because – their player who blocked the extra point was like two yards off sides. Right. Yeah. And so we had some ref issues this week. Uh, but yes, Maryland yes. fans have to be furious. Well, but, uh, and le- there was a incident last week, too, where they got a interception taken off the board. So, like, Maryland oh, fans yeah. are now convinced that the Big Ten is out to get them. Oh. Even though the ineligible man downfield is something they should have been called on all year. So Well... In any case, they should never have had to go for two in the first place. Jimmy. Yeah, that offside was one pretty obvious. Two, the guy blocking Cam Allen in front of him knew he was offside. He didn't even try to block him. Um, and then they actually called a penalty on that play, but they huddled, discussed it for three or four minutes, and they somehow managed to find a penalty on Maryland on that try. 
uh, which they enforced on the kickoff. And I, it was really, it was really, yeah, really strange, really strange. And as for the ineligible man downfield, I mean, yeah, that 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 was definitely a penalty. But I mean, you know, you can call that on so many plays. It was just just heartbreaking for Maryland for them to pull out no, the flags. No, I, mean, I disagree. That that's been so coming. They was, they pushed wait, it wait, so wait, much wait, further wait, than everybody was it, else. Was it an offensive lineman getting downfield? Or was it someone being covered up and screwing up and going to the end zone? It was a lineman, and he kind of wandered past the goal line. And remember, they were lined up at what the, where, the where you line up for the extra points. Yeah. He was beyond the two yards. Is it but it wasn't egregious. So they're on the three, and the offensive lineman like crests the goal line? Yes. Well, I guess that's a pretty bright red line. Usually the, the yeah. line of scrimmage is like, oh, it's three yards-ish. But if you're snapping it from the three on a two-point conversion, they know – when, yeah, when you cross the the wrong line, I I wonder if maybe somebody's been sending film. Could have been Michigan, Mich- could have been Michigan State because they were doing against Michigan State a lot last week too. But Maryland yeah. has had this coming. I have no problem with that being called against Maryland because they've been pushing it more than anybody else. The conference. I mean, I year. have a, I have a problem with it because it should never have had to be a two point conversion in the first place. No, no, the offsides absolutely, but the. The, the the man downfield, like Maryland, deserved that. That's been coming down the pipeline, and I'm glad it hit them when it actually mattered, even if it didn't matter to that play. Because that'll teach them. <laughs> yeah, well, hard to, hard to argue with that, to be honest. Um, as I was watching this game out of the corner of my eye, I kept I kept framing this as a game between Alex's uh, nine-win Maryland and Brian's versus Brian's pick to win the Big Ten West. And, <laughs> Brian, I think your pick to big, win the Big Ten West, maybe they have a defense? I mean, I mean after ish. giving up an opening touchdown on, on Maryland's first drive, they have held Maryland to just 166 yards on the Terps' next nine drives. 53 of those yards came on a great individual play by Corey Deitches at the end of the first half. Oh, yeah. Um, the, but, you know, other than that play, they were, they were only getting 2.9 yards per play during that nine-drive game nine drive stretch. Uh, four three-and-outs, only three plays run in Purdue territory during that stretch. I mean, that, you know – between last week and this week, I kind of like what we're seeing out of the Purdue's defense all of a sudden. I mean, still, their their ground game is just so non-existent that like, they already lost a game this year because they couldn't close it out. And this yeah. one comes close to being in a similar situation, except for the stuff we've been talking about. So they just get leads in games, and then where Michigan's like, okay, we're going to go on a five-minute drive and the game's going to be over, Purdue will give you the ball back two times, not once, yeah. twice. Yeah, I had, I tweeted yesterday that uh, Maryland was getting the ball back down 24-23 with a chance to win the game or you know or take the lead. And before the next time I looked at the game, it was 31-23 per 2 and Maryland still had the ball. So I kind of had to rewind the TV over there to figure out what kind of shenanigans uh were were going on, but you know, instead of killing the clock, they had a long pass to Payne Durham and uh you know, Maryland had timeouts left, so they were able to stopped the clock and they gave up that TD and they still had like over a minute to go and they scored really, really quickly. <laughs> you're you're wow, going to hate me really... for this comparison. They remind me of certain recent Michigan hockey teams that just like would get like a 4-1 lead and then all of a sudden you're like, please don't be 4-4 in the third. Oh, that was that was yeah. a while ago now. Yeah, but like that that that's what Purdue is. They just, they don't have the finishing move. They don't have a way to grind down the game. They only have one way to play. And that way to play gets them out to, you know, gets them out to leads, but they 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 can't when it's time to close down shop and just shut down the game, they don't know how to Iowa. Mm-hmm. They did a pretty good job of that last week against Minnesota. They established the run early and they had a big run at the end of the game that that kind of 
that kind of sealed it. But yeah, in this one, it was sort of back to same old Purdue. I mean, they only ran the ball 13 times, which is a real disappointment after, after what they were able to accomplish the last two weeks. But they were able to, I thought, generate a little bit of a plan B in the passing game. Remember all season, it's been, it's been Charlie Jones averaging, you know, over 130 yards a game receiving, but the last two weeks, only nine catches on 17 targets, uh, three catches for 15 yards yesterday, but the rest of the team chipped in. Payne Durham had over hundred yards receiving his best game uh, of the year. And their other uh, receivers, Marshawn Rice, TJ Sheffield, and Ty Tracy, nine for nine uh, catches on targets, 150 yards, eight first down. So, for the first time all year, they kind of spread things around outside of Charlie Jones. So while they're running, the football is still very inconsistent. You know, at least they were a little bit less one-dimensional throwing the ball yesterday against Maryland. And it was enough for them to win, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the I guess is both inappropriate and appropriate. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, looking back, Purdue could have could have put the game away in the third quarter, they had three straight drives and in a turnover, and they wasted over 100 total yards on those drives. And two of those turnovers happened after they had reached scoring position. So I, I thought that uh, I thought that they were the clear winner in this game. All right, so that was the only uh, good game we can talk about. <laughs> it's grim from from here on out. We'll go to it Illinois is. nine, Iowa six. Iowa gains 222 yards of offense, which is the Devils' number divided by three. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Illinois manages to to knock out enough rushing yards that they win a game where Arthur Sitkowski is their quarterback for most of it. Wow. I mean, I'm a little bit surprised he's still around for us to kick around. I mean, I feel like it was five years ago where I was keeping track of his interceptions as he was boldly pursuing the conference single season lead for, for interceptions, but here he was last night. So, yes, this game was... I don't really know what the word is to use for it. I can't use the word classic, obviously, but it was close. But Disgusting? Disgusting is good. Were you guys watching the Thursday night NFL game between no. Oh, my God, and... yes. Well, that comparison well, t- has already come up on this podcast. <laughs> I, I tweeted on Thursday night that this is basically a game preview for Iowa, Illinois, and it basically uh-huh. that's what happened. Yeah, the but, word for uh, this game, by the way, is ambigram because I, 6-9-I, if you flip it over – it's uh, it still says the same exact thing. That's called an ambigram. That's what this game was, the ambigram Great. game. Great. 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 Well, I was all in, and I was fascinated tracking two stats. Iowa at halftime had a 0% success rate rushing the football. Huh. And then they, they, they stayed at that 0%, I use in quotes, because I don't know if 0% is really a thing, um, well into the third quarter. And during that same time, Arthur Sikowski's stat line was 10 for 15 for 16 yards. <laughs> you had... You had Iowa's 0% success rate rushing the football versus Arthur Sikowski's one yard per pass. And we just had a Big Ten West barn burner. And the difference in this game, you guessed it, Chase Brown, the only good thing going, 146 yards rushing. Uh, All told, he had 30% of the team's combined total yards in this one. At one point, he had close to 50%. But, yeah. Yeah. He was the he was the difference, the only really good thing on offense in in this game. Yeah, and this was a situation where Illinois had three turnovers to Iowa's one. Mm-hmm. I mean this this game was not close. It was actually sort of close. And Sitkowski rushed for he scrambled late in the game. It seemed to fumble for an Iowa scoop and score, but oh. they review it, and Sitkowski's elbow 
gets down barely before the ball comes out, and I was I was livid. I was, I was furious at Wisconsin. I mean, Iowa winning this game on that. <laughs> it would have been no. the most Iowa yeah. way. Yeah. So, because it, it was such an Iowa game, like everyone's no, just kicking field just, goals and I, yeah. like I, I felt like Jesse Pinkman. I was like, he can't keep getting away with this. Right. Definitely, I got I, I got a huge pain in my temple when that ball was on the ground and the Iowa defender scooped it up because I was like, you cannot, they cannot win this game like this, can they? Because there was like. Like four or five minutes to go in the game when that happened. I mean, that would have been the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, that was it. But oh. you brought up the Illinois turnovers, and two of them in the first half led to what I think is the poster for 2020 to 2022 Iowa football. Okay, so Iowa punts the ball away. Illinois fumbles it. Iowa recovers a muffed punt at Illinois' 35-yard line, and somehow they have to punt themselves after that possession. You know how hard it is to recover a muffed punt? And then punt yourself on the ensuing possession. I feel like the degree of difficulty. I feel like the degree of difficulty is that is pretty high. Um, right, right. The the first play off that sequence, uh, they called a play action pass to Petrus, and the blitzing linebacker got to him while he his back was still turned. So that thwarted that thwarted that drive. They punted it away again, buried Illinois in terrible field position. They tried to screen pass on their second and ten play which was blown up. Cooper DeJean forced a fumble. They recovered it at the four-yard line. They have first and goal at the four. They're going to score a touchdown, right? Of course not. First down and goal, Petrus just dirts it at the at the running back's feet. And this was a little bit like that fourth down play against Michigan where if he delivers an accurate pass, yeah, just the momentum alone might carry, you know, was going to carry the guy for a first down against Michigan. He was going to carry him for a touchdown on this one. And then a tackle for loss on third down or on second down. Then they took an unsportsmanlike penalty they went from first and goal in the four and had to kick a field goal. So, I mean, like, those were back-to-back possessions that Illinois basically was trying to give them the game. You know, if Iowa gets 10 to 14 points there, they win the game. Instead, they get three, and Illinois just kind of carries on. And, you know, you said they sort of had a better box score than Iowa. They totally did. They earned – I thought they were the better team in this game, and thank God that that fumble at the end there was ruled down. The the end of the game, too, I think deserves a mention because – there, Iowa gets to like, like I think they got to midfield on their like we got forty five seconds and no timeouts drive, and mm-hmm. then Petrus decides he's gonna run. <laughs> right? Oh, and then, that's like, right. He picks up like three yards. Iowa doesn't have any timeouts. Right. Like, like what? What possible calculation is it in your head where you're like, I'm Spencer Petrus. What the world needs now is me running around. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and then he goes down. So he like he slides yeah. in that play. So he gives himself up. And then you know they they lose like half the time on that drive. And that's why the last play ends up having to try to be one of the you know the, the play specials where the guy stepped out of bounds, but they kind of let it go anyway because yeah. it was so funny to watch. But man, like Iowa, uh, that's the thing. Like Illinois fans, I'm sure were like, oh god, please don't let this happen. It's like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's Iowa, man. They'll, they'll they'll figure out some way to stop themselves. And, and lo and behold, they did. Yeah, you know that Iowa has held five of their six foes this year to their lowest point total. That's very believable because I mean Iowa. Held, I only had to chart sixty plays last week. Yeah, and, held three and only because like a bunch of them were you know there were a bunch of plays at the end of the game that like yeah. you know but uh, that Iowa that's what game kind of that's by design right yeah. they that's what he's looking at. Ferentz is was asked like, do you need better offense uh, in his press conference? And he's like, no, we won ten games last year, so that's where they are. Well, they're one and two this year in games where they've held their opponent to 10 points or less. Is that, <laughs> is that part of the formula? <laughs> uh, it's going to be pretty soon. 
Yeah. Uh, Before we move on, can I throw out two Illinois defensive stats? Sure. That I think are relevant because Michigan does play Illinois in a month. So these are going to be worth tracking. Um, They're kind of wonky stats. So bear with me, guys. Uh, Defensive touchdown rate. That's the amount of uh, the percentage of opposing drives that end in a touchdown. Only 6.3% of Illinois drives that they faced this year have scored a touchdown. That was coming into this week. That's first in the nation. They gave up, but going back to last week, they gave up a touchdown on their first drive against Wisconsin, kept them out of the end zone, the remaining 10 drives. Iowa, 13 drives, no touchdown. So that's 24 straight drives now without a touchdown. Since they gave up that walk-off touchdown against Indiana in week one, Illinois has given up one touchdown in their last 53 drives faced, and that was that opener against the Badgers last week. Uh, Virginia didn't score a touchdown. Tennessee Chattanooga didn't score a touchdown. I've already detailed Wisconsin and Iowa. Real quickly. Murderer's row of offenses, by the way. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's got to be yeah. part of the story. Like, I, Illinois, yeah, they're – But it's also Illinois, right? Like, yeah. They're, they're, they're not same old Illinois. Go no, ahead. No, but Go they're, ahead. they're blitzy. Yeah. And, and, you know, they were pretty decent at this stat last year. They, they, they allowed a touchdown on 26.8% of their drives a year ago. So that, that's a big decrease, probably schedule-driven. We'll see how this plays out, though, as they get into their schedule. The second stat real quickly, uh, first down rate. Illinois has only allowed a first down on 47.9% of their drives. That is number three nationally. Last week against the Badgers, six drives out of 11 without a first down. Last night against Iowa, seven drives out of 13 without a first down. That's 13 drives out of 24 without a first down for Illinois. So, I mean, they, they've got it going on that side of the ball. You'll see as you watch tape of them as, as October, November goes on, they just have a lot of guys on defense that just jump out at you and make plays. Are they boom, and boom or bust? Maybe a little bit, but well, they're, they're definitely an exciting unit on that side of the ball. All right, Nebraska 14, Rutgers 13. Nebraska takes the lead with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter on a 27-yard touchdown pass. And then as you're watching this game, it's like, okay, Rutgers might get the ball back with like eh, three minutes, four minutes left. They get a stop, and then they get a ridiculous unnecessary roughness call, (laughs) as in that flag should never have been dropped. And then Nebraska's able to milk the clock down to a minute, and Evan Simon... Well, it was just never going to happen. And all they needed was a field goal, and it was like two passes, and one of them was hideously floated to a Nebraska defensive back. Yeah, the the Big Ten refs crisis weekend got off to a hot start on Friday night. <laughs> uh, th- this is, uh, you know, the proverbial tale of two halves. Uh, Rutgers outgained Nebraska 263-134 to 134 and ran 17 plays in Nebraska's territory to only three for Nebraska and Rutgers territory in the first half. 13 to nothing halftime score and could have been a lot worse. I mean, Nebraska was really holding on for dear life there at the end of the end of the first half, but they dominated the second half and uh, Rutgers just couldn't get any offense going against this terrible Nebraska defense in the second half. Um, yeah. I, I, they had an, um, Rutgers had another potential uh, touchdown called off called off from bad roughing early in the uh, or at the end of the second quarter too like they I thought they were going to put the game away by halftime and I honestly kind of caught myself at halftime I was like okay this looks like Rutgers are just going to dominate them so I even watched the second half Michigan hockey was on I was going to do both screens and I just kind of stopped watching the football game I had it on the TV but I wasn't even looking at it I was watching Michigan hockey it was I don't well, know. The, the, I, I didn't know if this game was going to be really necessary for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the second half was really about 
would Nebraska be able to generate enough points to overcome the 13-point deficit they have while also giving up sacks and pressures every single time Casey Thompson dropped back to pass? This ends up a win in the you know in the win column for Nebraska, but man, just if you're grading, there's just a lot of red marks. Um, I know if you bring up PFF's offensive line grading around here that that's a little bit of thin ice, but can I point out that PFF gave Nebraska's pass protection a 19.3 grade in this game? <laughs> All 60 right. is average, and they ended up winning the game. Turner Corker in their right tackle gave up 10 pressures alone, and I don't even think he was the worst guy. Hunter Anthony, who is the tackle on the other end, every time I watched, he was chasing you know the Rutgers edge defender, and that's not that's not good. You remember Aaron Lewis? This kid mm-hmm. dominated. He dominated on I Friday. Hate, night. I hate that. I hate that they he have dominated this- Nebraska on Friday night, and it looked like that Rutgers pressure was going to put this in the win column for him. But they had a terrible turnover in plus territory in the fourth quarter, and then Casey Thompson finally connected with the Palmer kid, the transfer from LSU, with what ended up being a really acrobatic game-winning touchdown. Not acrobatic. He slid as he caught it, so it was more of a sliding. TD, but I thought Rutgers pressure was going to win this game for him in the end, and they just couldn't pull it off. All right. Uh, Wisconsin rolls out the Jim Leonard era with a 42-7 to stomping of Northwestern, which is winless since they beat Nebraska in Ireland <laughs> Yeah, for some reason. And, uh, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say here except, God, Northwestern is terrible. Yeah. Um, this was a total blowout. I mean, I think Wisconsin scored – touchdowns on four of their first five drives and it was garbage time the whole second half. I think the only thing that caught my eye was the fact that Graham Mertz was 20 for 29 with 299 yards and five touchdowns. So either he turned a corner or we have a replacement for the 2020 Illinois game. Well, we're going to, we're going to find out. Um, and I also want to mention Chimere DK. Chimere Seth, DK. Yeah. That was going to be my answer. Him up all the time. Yeah. That was going to be my he answer. Unlocked last night. That was so Wisconsin fans ever since that stupid drive against Michigan in like the, the end of the first half, Wisconsin fans have been nonstop begging for this guy to get throws. And I don't know if like Paul Chris was involved with this or whatever, but or like maybe Jim Leonard was the one on staff who like actually agrees. But like yeah. they start the game throwing right at Chim Ray DK and he goes off and it's like, Yeah, you guys have had this dude all along, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Ten 10 catches on 11 targets, 185 yards, three touchdowns. I wasn't the biggest fan of the Bobby Ingram offensive coordinator hiring, but I noticed they brought him down on the field. So maybe there, maybe there's something there. But remember when they had a wide receiver transfer last year and their beat reporter at The Athletic did a exit interview with the kid, and he said, we're open all the time in practice, the wide receivers, and then those plays don't get run in the game. Well, it's one game, one sample size against a shitty defense, but let's just see what I, happens with, with Tamir DK. Yeah, I never take those things seriously because guys who've left a program always just say those, oh, yeah. those nasty things. Well, we got a little bit of well, evidence for it. And yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Seth, I didn't take it seriously until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, in a really disappointing final score, just from a personal perspective, Ohio State 49, Michigan State 20 in a game that was nowhere near as close as the final score. Michigan State puts up 200 yards of offense. Ohio State puts up 600. Ohio State throws for 12.9 yards in attempt. Michigan State rushes for 0.4 yards in attempt. And there's some sacks in there, but whatever. This is just a huge beatdown. It should yeah. have been 77 to nothing. And this allows Graham Crouch... <laughs> 
Couch, Couch to yep. write an article saying that Michigan State left with its dignity intact. False. False, I they, say. I think they just don't. I, I think that they define dignity as the final score not <sighs> reflecting how badly their team, which is coming in way below expectations, got yeah. completely hand blasted in there's, this game. There's no. There's That's no, what dignity there's is. There's no dignity here. Yeah. Well, I actually read that whole column, and I'm not so sure how Graham Couch defines dignity. I mean, that was state media 101 written all over it. It's. Um, Let's, this let's, guy let's defines himself think. as like the yeah. he yells at people for not being good enough journalists for being slappies. This guy, hmm. this guy does. Well, he's now, yes, he is. The you slappies. know what? Maybe one day, maybe one day when he's off the MSU book beat, he'll write a book and he'll tell us why Max Baller got suspended for the Rose Bowl. Uh, anyway, let's let's uh, talk about yeah. let's talk about Michigan State's dignity. Did they give up between eighty and ninety percent of the available yards like they have on this four game losing streak? Check. Were they down three scores by halftime? Check. Did their running game go nowhere again? Check. Was the whole fourth quarter spent in garbage time? Check. Well, that sounds like the entire four-game losing streak right now to Michigan State. So were those losses dignified? Are you almost out of dignity yet? Will you have any when Halloween weekend rolls around? We'll find out. But the 4-8 and eight train is, is on its way. I mean, they got Indiana and Rutgers in November. That might be it for the winnable games for them this year. Yeah. I mean, Ohio State even spotted them like a free pick six, which, yeah. like, and, and that was like the which, only. Which, by the way, moment. featured heavily in Graham Couch's dignity column. Right. Featured heavily. Right. Which is like, okay, that the you know Shroud thinks that the guy's going underneath and just throws it to a a cornerback who was going to get beat. The receiver was right on that play. Stroud should not have thrown it. So if you want to yeah. pick who was to blame for that one, yeah. well, in any case, there were there were plenty of other undignified stats the largest <laughs> gap in success rate was the michigan state ohio state game that's according to parker at the stats of war um i mean they scored touchdowns on seven of their first eight possessions outside of the the pick six so box score tracking like i like i was during illinois iowa i was box score tracking in this one for some reason probably because i was enjoying the michigan state box score but we were getting towards the end of the third quarter and michigan state still had negative yards rushing they were approaching 100 total yards. And at that time of the game, Trevon Henderson had more yards than Michigan State. Uh, On Abuqua one foot. Had, yeah. Abuqua had more yards than Michigan State. So did Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. And you mentioned I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, go all in on the offensive betting props in this game. Sure enough, by halftime, every prop for Ohio State that DraftKings put up had cast by halftime. Receiving yards for Abequa and Harrison <laughs> – Rushing yards for Henderson, three and a half passing touchdowns, All right. four by Stroud by halftime. Let me baby. just repeat the only one this. that didn't cover was passing yards, three twenty-seven and a half by halftime, and Stroud hit that on a second pass of the first half. I tell you what, if you were going to the counter with those winning tickets, you had tons of dignity in your <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Michigan gets them in t- uh, three weeks, so yeah. hopefully they don't get a lot better by well, that. I don't, I don't think they dignified. will. I'm no. sure. I'm sure being it being a night game. I'm sure all the Spartans will be. Dignified. So there's there's two ways these can go. One is that Michigan State will play way over its head, yeah. and Michigan will be in some trouble. And the other way it can go is that they just try to injure Michigan players for the whole second half. Huh. And I've I've got yeah. the latter dialed up for this year. Yeah, well, it's I, more I, 2019 I, than yeah. 2000. Yeah, I do fully expect that Michigan State's first drive of the game on the 29th might be like 
the best single scripted opening drive that we see in college football, right? I mean, because well, yeah, they don't have anything they, else I mean, to didn't do. Twenty nineteen, right? didn't they? Didn't they work their way down the field before that became? They, a blowout? they did, but you know what? Mark D'Antonio is a far better coach than Mel Tucker. Well, that's a good yeah, point. but they, I mean, they're not they're not prepping anything for. Or they didn't prep anything for this game, right? No. It's, no, we're gonna we're gonna see the July drive par excellence yeah. in this one. The only way that things turn around for State this year is they get some of these guys back. I mean, Snow they're not going to get back, but Xavier Henderson and Marquis Lowry have not played since the opener. Slade is barely healthy. Petrowski and Chris Bogle missed the game. That's a lot of their top players. The only way this gets better is if some of those guys get healthy and return close to one hundred percent because. They just don't have guys off the bench that they can plug in the lineup. They 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 put the Magnum kid in the lineup the last two weeks, and now he's probably out for the season because he was a little bit overmatched on a tackle. I know the the the, the gods do not want a Groves High School uh, graduate playing <sighs> football on F- on the FBS level. This has been determined many many years ago. All you right, two, well you got two starts, but before before we sign off on this game, you mentioned the Michigan State fans and. Also, some Ohio State fans. I just want to mention that not enough Ohio State fans yesterday traveled up from the worst state ever to pack the house up in East Lansing. But just enough Michigan State fans showed up with just enough green. So there was a nice Christmas motif to balance out all the red that actually was in the stadium. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it reminded me, start your holiday shopping now. Even though this football season is just starting, those full season the holidays are going to be here, guys, so hurry up. My, my brother-in-law got in trouble with his wife for going to this game. He's a season ticket holder, and she's like, oh. "This, this, there's no reason to be going to this game. You could be home with us and the kids. And he's just like, but, but, but. All right. I, I reached... I reached out to three MSU season ticket holders yesterday to see if they're at the game, and not one of them got back to me. So I don't, I don't know what that means. All right, Jamie, <laughs> thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yep. For listening to the MGO podcast, I'm Seth Fisher along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. Make sure you maintain your dignity this week, folks. So, all right, I got to take a break. Okay. Um, I was going to bring this up, but I wasn't sure if we even wanted to talk about it. Are we going to address the Mike Hart thing or no? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay. 
I, I, there's not a whole lot for us to say. Well, there's a lot to say in terms of what it might have done to the team in the first half. I think I think so, but I just like. I mean, if you throw your one of your main coaches on a cart and wheel him off when he just collapsed on the sideline, I mean, guys are gonna be shook up. I know. I think so, but I feel like I don't have any perspective that like the regular John Q fan doesn't have on it. So it's like no. it's kind of the thing where like I don't want to be the one focused talking about it just because. I feel like the players themselves need, okay. would need to answer that. Now, like, we can mention it, but I think I could just say, like, you know, we're, why aren't you guys talking about this? This is a big part of the game. I'll be like, because I'm not the ex – I'm the last person who would know what the players are thinking. I don't talk to the players personally. I don't talk to the coaches personally. I'm sure as a human, but, like, that's my perspective is just, like, I'm another person watching this just like you. Like, I, right. like have you seen so much have, – have you seen this happen so many times in football that we can be like, oh – when a coach falls down and starts having a seizure in the middle of a, of a game, this is how players normally react. Like no, like you haven't that hasn't happened but, in sports enough. For but you to, asking them to go out and play in a really tight game right after that is probably not, you're you're probably not going to be in the same mental space. I I'm I can't sh- imagine. I'm how. sure they would. But like 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 I'm saying, I just my perspective is that of just another human, and I'm like. Yeah, I, I don't think I would be able to play either there. I think it's more like we can credit the players. Like, hey, as a fan, like, you know, I'm glad that you guys were able to focus and continue. I don't think a college player exists that would be able to handle something like that without it affecting him. All right, what were we talking about? We're question, well, wondering whether we were going to talk about the heart thing. And I said, well, I don't really have perspective. Beyond, I mean, we'll talk about yeah, it, we'll but I don't have about it, yeah. And then we didn't talk about it. <laughs>